Cold front coming through by Thursday again. This one's going to bring down cooler, sunny conditions in time for our weekend. And we may squeeze out some shower activity Thursday. Other than that, it's partly cloudy skies today and more clouds tomorrow. Mid-70s today and tomorrow. Overnight lows of 50s to near 60. Upper 70s to 80 with scattered storms Thursday, followed by sunny, gusty, cooler 70s Friday. Sunshine 60s Saturday as well as Sunday. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Rico's Tires and Wheels offers quality used tires. They fix flat tires too, and they do wheel repair. Rico's Tires and Wheels, just a few blocks south of Veterans, 2609 David Drive, Metairie, 504-455-5199. Rico's Tires and Wheels, quality used tires. They fix flat tires too, and they do wheel repair. Just a few blocks south of Veterans, 2609 David Drive, Metairie, 504-455-5199. Yes, we are having a food show today, but I'm on the phone. I'm Marianne Fitzforest, wanting to talk food with you. I guess I can keep working while I'm, while I'm on this show, I mean, but I kind of do that anyway. It is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon, and uh, it was Taco Tuesday today. I, I'm not a big fan of Taco Tuesday, but happy Taco Tuesday to everyone. Patty, do we have anyone doing Thanksgiving menus today? Uh, we have you know. we have Chef Shia from Bywater Bakery. I'm not sure what she's she is doing some Thanksgiving stuff, but I'm not uh-huh. sure if it's a dinner or if it's takeaway. I'm not sure what it is, but she's going to call okay. in at three. Oh, okay, so she's the three o'clock guest. Mm-hmm. All right, I have reached out to a couple of people, uh, two Jacks, and also um, what was the other one? <laughs> I'll have to think about that. But two two good places that would be an interesting mix for our Thanksgiving roundup. And uh and the problem with all of these options is you start you start getting confused about what you want to do. <laughs> it's like that's that's kind of the standard with everything uh in America. We have too many choices. <laughs> so um I'm I'm kind of glad that uh I'm now gonna have teeny tiny little Thanksgiving here because it eliminates the choice of what what to do and where to go. Anyway, five five six nine six nine six tomorrow we have Daniel the Gourmet Cellist sitting in for me. And then what's coming up the rest of the week, Patty? The rest of the week we have uh Bob Mitchell sitting in on Thursday for you and then for me. And Friday we have uh Bob Del Giorno who Spent many years on uh, WWL morning show. He's going to be on with me on now? Friday. Do you know how many years? It's been a, it was oh, a long he was time. he was on for probably. Oh gosh, it had to be it has to be at least thirty years, maybe even longer. Yeah, yeah. I was in high school when my dad used to listen to him. Mm-hmm. 
So it's it was it's been a long time, and he's where's he live in Poplarville now? He lives in uh, Career, Mississippi, out in the woods. Career. Yep, Career. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. how they pronounce it. But uh, it'll be nice to hear him. I'm sure a lot of people will, you know, enjoy hearing him because he was a like I said, just a, a legend himself. Mm-hmm. And he's got some great but, Italian recipes he's going to share with us. Okay, good. Well, we like Italian. Everybody likes, you know, I, I say that everyone likes Italian, but maybe, maybe not, you know, I, I can't imagine that, but maybe not. Yeah. All right. So let's see what we have today. Today is the ninth, gosh, of November. We're getting close to, very close to, to Thanksgiving and really time to start thinking about it and making plans. So Jamil never did call in, did he? Did he? No, he you? didn't. I think he must have called um, his brother, TJ, because right after I reached out to him, TJ called. So he maybe he oh. couldn't talk, so he asked TJ to do it. No, I, uh, I, I texted him and said that uh, we should get the two of them on a conference call and both of them do their respective Thanksgiving menus. So maybe he took that to mean that I wanted TJ or something, but I never did hear back from him. So, oh, well, you're not going to believe this, but this is national split pea soup. Oh, no. <laughs> it is indeed. It is indeed. It behooves us to make the split pea soup. I mean, I'm leaving, so I have an excuse. So, Patty, that, that leaves it up to you. Yeah, I'm going to have yep, to do some. Week. And I don't know. I guess I guess this is the week. So, you know, you have till Friday or, I guess, Saturday to make the split pea soup. Anyway, Tom says that he loves split pea soup, but it wasn't until recently that he discovered why he could never make it come out the way he liked it, which was the way his mother made it. The problem is the ham. He's always added it to the pot, and he's decided it throws the flavor off despite his tradition of including it as an ingredient. Now he uses vegetable stock. You know, uh, first of all, I don't, I don't know that I've, uh, he has actually, I was about to say, I don't know that I've ever seen Tom make split pea soup, but he has in fact made split pea soup. He, he did a certain amount of cooking back in the day, but it was infrequent. Let's just say that. But I think that now that Mike called, first of all, with his confession about having taken the last ham bone. I think he felt like he needed to confess that. So I'm glad <laughs> he did. Um, but in addition to that, it, as a compensation, he offered, I thought, some really delicious ideas about that. So I actually thought about that today. I went to the store to get a few things. And um, I thought, oh, gosh, after I left, I thought, you know, I, I should have checked for that ham bone. But the idea of roasting that ham bone you know, as a precursor to preparing mm-hmm. it. I tell you what, Patty, we, you and I, are going to learn some tricks. We are. How to, how, to, how to jack it up, uh, you know? Um, what is it, crank it up a notch? That's right. Whatever Emily <laughs> used, what did Emily used to say? Yeah, crank it up a notch. Boom. Oh, yeah. Boom. Boom. Yeah, bam. No, that was bam. Bam, yeah. <laughs> I think bam, yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're going to learn how to do that. I mean, um, that was a really good tip. And I, I definitely will try that. I I keep looking at the split pea, the bag of split peas, which is still on the cooktop, reminding me that I need to do it. But every time I look at it, I think, okay, I don't have fill in the blank. 
So as soon as I assemble all of the ingredients, I, I am going to, with grand fanfare, make some spicy soup. But in the meantime, Patty, you don't have the excuse of not being here. No, so I don't. I don't. you this week to make it. I will. Yes. All right. Five five six nine six nine six is the number of the Edible Dictionary Word today. is brought to you by Dorignex, one of the top 20 regional supermarkets of all time. It is Newburgh. That's the Edible Dictionary Word. It is often spelled Newburgh. It's a rich sauce of cream, eggs, butter, and sherry, most often served with lobster meat, removed from the shell and cut into chunks. According to John Mariani's Encyclopedia of American Food and Drink, it was invented at Delmonico's in New York. It makes perfect sense. A customer named Wemberg gave the recipe for the sauce to the chef there. It became a big hit, but some problem between Wemberg and Delmonico's caused the latter to change the name of the dish. They just swapped two letters, and voila, Newberg. A number of controversies attend the recipe. One is whether the pale orange color comes from tomato or paprika. Or paprika. Another is whether the sauce's thickness comes from adding egg yolks at the end or starting with bechamel. Equally credible authorities can be found on both sides of these questions. What we know for sure is that Newberg dishes have gone far out of style. The only place that Tom knows to get it was the Bonton Cafe, where they used the sauce with crawfish. One of these days, I want to talk to, well, I'm sure I'm not going to, because I think Tom offended him earlier, like many years ago, which is really too bad, because the restaurant that he owns, or the restaurant group that he owns, uh, is not bad. And I don't think Tom ever said that it was bad. I think it's just that, I think he wanted it to be on par with the other kinds of places here. And I think that Tom is right in saying that it isn't because it's a mid-Atlantic steakhouse chain called the Chop House. And it's very good. It's exceptionally good for those parts of the world. But those parts of the world are not New Orleans and our standards are a little bit higher. And I think that that's, that's what happened there. But anyway, um, he's a Tulane grad, and he won Mysterious Night, as um, Debbie Pierce tells it. Uh, the Pierces, Wayne and Debbie, inherited the business from, I think, a great-grandfather. Actually, it's, it's a much more complicated story than that. It's, it's not actually the family. It's switched over to someone else and that's the family that they descended from and so um, when they were looking to sell the business because none of the kids they had three boys and none of them went into the restaurant business as is so often the case unfortunately especially in a place like that where you have such a legacy and such a long-standing restaurant uh, for it to just and because no one in the family wanted to take it over, it's it's that's sad, I think. And that's going to happen to others, too. I'm thinking of a few, but I'm not going to say what they are. But anyway, um, Debbie, Wayne was 
just trying to figure out how, because his health was not all that great. He was having back issues. And so he was trying to figure out how to, how to sell the restaurant or he was looking for a way to retire. Um, one cold night, um, he stepped outside with someone and he was gone for a little while and he came back in and told Debbie he had sold the restaurant. And it was just that simple. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. It's, I think it's Jerry Greenbaum, uh, who owns the chop house and lives in Atlanta actually, which is where it's based. And he was in town because the chop house is directly across the street from the Bonton. And so, uh, they bought it and the Bonton closed the day that the lockdown started. There are a couple of places that I, I say whenever I talk to the people who sold them, boy, talk about, talk about, great timing talk about getting out right before the crash and uh and that was it i remember that we were in the bontan having dinner with our friend dominic massa on the 13th of march last year and that was their very last night in business and then the next day was the lockdown so the chop house closed i mean not the chop house closed but but the bontan closed and the Rumor is, or at least that's what he said, he was going to keep it as close as he could to the Bonton. But it's been under renovation for a long time, and I have no idea. I have to call Debbie Pearson plan if she knows anything about it, because I don't know that. I've reached out a couple of times, but haven't heard anything back on that. But I would love to know very much what is going to happen with the Bonton. It's it's not a good time to open a restaurant anyway. I mean, it's very hard to find people to work. So maybe it is just on hold, but we'll have to find out. 5569696 is the number. If you want to talk to me, I'm Marianne Fitzmaurice. I would love to talk to you. We'll be back after these messages. Have you ever eaten something new and wondered where it had been all your life? We thought that about Double D Sausage after having it at a friend's house. But restaurants all over town serve it in their gumbo, red beans, and jambalaya. It's made right in Bogalusa, and the company is in its third generation. Double D Sausage is a light smoke, pure pork sausage with notes of sage and other spices. Try the regular mild and hot and new flavors like the Cajun variety and jalapeno and cheddar. Double D Sausage in stores all over town. The best meals always start with the best ingredients. If you're cooking seafood, the best ingredients are at Mandeville Seafood. All local fish, Louisiana shrimp, oysters, crab, crawfish, wild salmon, and Dungeness crabs. With a little notice, Mandeville Seafood can get anything in the seafood universe you may want to try. Mandeville Seafood, celebrating 25 years. You make me feel so young. Yes, it's good to feel young. Tom's Deaf Dining Room number 146 is a restaurant that shells its own fresh peas. It's almost certainly one of the best restaurants you will ever dine in. Because, and this is what the old kitchen sage says, we work together. There's a lost skill, shelling peas. You put this, pull the stems toward the other end of the pod, which will remove a string that holds the two halves of the pod together. A pod will pop open on that side, then just run your finger under the peas and have a wide bowl to catch them. This is very common work that goes on forever, but creates a great environment for conversation among the sellers. Go ask 
I don't think you've asked me, but no, I have never shelled peas. Yeah. Even tempted to shell peas? Not in the least. <laughs> you know, there are some there are some things that I would consider a lost art or a lost tradition or practice. You know, I've said this a million times about um, Manuel's hot tamales, why I don't think even if a recipe surfaced that they could come back because there was a group of ladies who had probably worked together for 40 years who showed up and sat in the same room rolling tamales with the same people and you become like a family. And it's, it's totally mindless work, but there's certainly a social aspect of it and a sort of, I guess, soul satisfying from a very basic human level that is satisfactory to people who do that. I think the same can be said of people who pick crab and any of those kinds of tedious, what most people would call mundane, but there is an upside to that kind of work. And I think it's just the camaraderie of the people that you work with. And I think that's the same thing that would be true of people who shell peas. Although I can't imagine that there's any commercial application to shelling peas. I mean, there's this guy that I was obsessed with for a while in Birmingham, Alabama. His name is Frank Stitt. And he owns the Highlands Bar and Grill and a few other places in Birmingham. He's like Birmingham's John Besh, you know, or Birmingham's Emerald. But um, his food is very Southern. It's very um, approachably gourmet delicious. And it's his pimento cheese recipe that was the basis for my pimento cheese. Do you like pimento cheese, Patty? I do. I think it's delicious. Yeah, I was about to say. Mm-hmm. I already know. You know what we have to do? I was thinking about this this morning. We have to have a little shtick that's official when I ask you this question. <laughs> like, we have to do some little, we have to do, like, if, if a person was betting on something, like maybe some <laughs> sort of betting um, sound effect, you know? Yeah. Uh, where people are placing bets. And um, I don't know if that, that's appropriate in 2021, but it, it would be funny. <laughs> and, uh, or, or a drum roll or something, you know, where I ask you what is basically a rhetorical question, <laughs> knowing very well what the answer is going to be, as do most of the people who are listening. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I knew you were going to, I knew that you were going to be a big fan of pimento cheese because who isn't? Really? I don't know. If, I don't know if you were around, I've told this story a million times, so I know most people have heard it, but the first time I made Frank Stitt's pimento cheese, and, there, and, and it's not that I'd gone to the, the Highlands Barn Grill, it's that we got the book when it came out from the Highlands Barn Grill, and there was this gorgeous picture of pimento cheese with saltine crackers, and then there was a, a picture of the woman, it's, it, Miss Verbena is uh, her name, and it's a picture of her, and I think they're shelling peas. I'm going to have to get up and look at it um, during the break, but um, it is just 
a great recipe from pimento cheese, and I have jacked it up like I've done with the spin dip that I got from um, Steve Stonebreaker. But uh, the pimento cheese, I have a couple of versions. I have one that has olives in it, and I have one that has pecans in it, and one that has parsley in it. And what you could do is take all of those and roll them in a ball, and it would be a cheese ball. But anyway, it's <laughs> what's wrong with a cheese ball? I mean, cheese balls are good. So um, the first time I made it, though, was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Or maybe it might even be more than that. And, and I just... <laughs> As so often happens when I hit something big, I just eat most of it. <laughs> and my daughter, this is for Thanksgiving too, and she she said, "Okay, Mom, what are the guests going to eat?" Because I had pretty much decimated the amount that I made, and I had to <laughs> I had to make the bar. I'm embarrassed to say it was not a little amount. I mean, I was cooking for Thanksgiving, so this is kind of a lot of pimento cheese, but that's how much I love pimento cheese. I think it's really hard to find a good one, though. Do you know of a good one? No. I. You know, there's something that I've seen called palmetto cheese, and it has pim- uh-huh. it has pimento in it, and it's pretty good, but I haven't really found a really good pimento cheese, and I haven't tried to make it. No. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm going to have to give you my recipe because yes. it's, it's really, really good. And um, it's simple and it's just terrific. But, I mean, I've, I always, I never make the same thing twice. It's a good thing I don't have a restaurant because it would be the most inconsistent thing in the world. Come <laughs> looking for something and never, ever get that again because that's the way I cook. But, um it's basically, you know, the, the cream cheese and the strong cheddar and then um, the roasted bell peppers. And I'm going to have to go look. I know exactly where the book is. I'm going to go look for it and, um, and actually maybe give out the recipe because it's really, really simple. But it's good. But anyway, the, the reason I, we got onto pimento cheese is that Miss um, Verbena is shown throughout the book in, in activities like that where you, there are people sitting down enjoying each other while they perform a mindless task like that. And I think that shelling peas would be actually kind of an interesting thing to do. I've never done it. I'm sure I never will do it. I don't even know where I would get fresh peas to shell. Where would you get fresh peas? Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Maybe at a farmer's market or something, but I don't know. Has anybody ever gotten fresh peas to shell? Has anyone in this audience ever shelled peas? That's a good question. I Okay, it's way at the top of the shelf because, you know, now that I'm doing this on the phone, I can actually do these things while I'm on the air. Anyway, I'm going to look through it. It's a gorgeous, it's a gorgeous book. It's one of the original – I'm going to have to see when this book came out because it's one of the original – genre of coffee table cookbooks of which John Bash perfected perfected it. Um, this book was $40 back in, let's see when, anyway, I'm going to give the recipe for the pimento cheese in a minute, but I am curious to see when it came out because uh, it, it's definitely probably 10 years ago. 
Anyway, 556-9696 is the number if you want to talk about food. This is all we do, just sort of blather on. You're welcome to join us if you would like to do that. It's, uh, it's kind of a fun thing to do. We love food. We love talking about food. We love eating food even more. Uh, there's less calories if you just talk about it, that's for sure. But but there's no fun in that, for sure. I went to Highlands a couple of years ago when I was doing my... So this would have been before Katrina, because after Katrina is when I went to the Highlands Bar and Grill. And the reason I went is that I didn't know about it until the book came out. So this would have had to have been before Katrina. There's a great picture of uh, fried okra, too, which is another thing I love. I bet you like it, too. I do. That's the only way, really, I like okra is fried okra or in gumbo. I'm, I'm going to tell you, as a person who is near and dear to your heart in the way we think about food, I will tell you that there is a way of eating okra that's, okay, it's almost as good. It's almost, it's 2004 is when this book came out. So it's been 16 years since I did my first pimento cheese. Um, <laughs> I've been seeing okra sliced lengthwise, tossed in chili oil, and roasted. And it's actually oh. really, really good. So it's like, it's, I mean, chili oil is basically red pepper flakes and olive oil. And so you brush it with that and just just roast it like that. It's really, really great. Not as good as fried okra, I have to say. <laughs> fried okra is pretty darn good. But um, but this is good. It's a it's a I mean, that's the only two ways I can think of of eating okra that to me is, you know, is good. There's okra and tomatoes, which I never did understand. Me either. There's okra in the gumbos, which. OK, but okra by itself as a vegetable can, oh, you know, be good. I mean, fried okra is pretty, pretty darn good, but this is also really good. It's 2.30. It's time for the Louisiana Radio Network News. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Dave Brennan. Former St. Tammany Parish Sheriff Jack Strain is guilty on all charges and faces a mandatory life sentence for raping and molesting multiple children. More on the story from Brooke Thorrington. Well, obviously, it shows that no one is above the law. That's St. Tammany Parish District Attorney Warren Montgomery after Strain, who served as sheriff for 20 years, was found guilty on four counts of aggravated rape, two counts of aggravated incest, and one count each of sexual battery and indecent behavior with a juvenile. Those witnesses spoke the truth, and uh, it was evidenced in, in what they said and how they reacted, and I'm, I'm happy for them. Five victims testified, and when asked if he believes there are more victims, Montgomery answered, Yes. I'm Brooke Thorrington. The search is over for a woman wanted for shooting and wounding her mother several times late Friday afternoon at a Lofton Street address in the Opelousas area. St. Landry Parish Deputy Chief Eddie Thibodeau says Ashley Sims got into an argument with her mother. No word on what motivated the dispute. LRN. Choosing a marriage and family therapist or counselor is a big decision. The Louisiana Licensed Professional Counselors Board of Examiners want you to know that state law requires mental health counselors and therapists to be licensed. Licensure requires a minimum of a master's degree and 3,000 hours of clinical experience. Licensees are bound to a code of ethics when working with clients to improve mental, behavioral, and emotional health. Make sure your counselor or family therapist is licensed in the state of Louisiana. Look for your counselor's credentials at lpcboard.org. I chose to get the vaccine because it's safe for me, it's safe for you, and it's the best way to eradicate this virus. I don't want to be the reason that if I catch it, 
and I end up giving it to somebody else. I'm not a scientist, but I can read, and I thought it was my responsibility to make my own decision for me first and then my community. We have older people dying and children under 12 that cannot get the shot. Please get the shot. The COVID-19 vaccine is now FDA approved. For information, visit covidvaccine.la.gov. Over the last 75 years, New Orleans has gone through many changes, and so has WGSO. From our early beginnings in 1946, broadcasting from the Jung Hotel, being home to Papa Stapa in the 1950s, being a music station, talking biz radio to speak in easy New Orleans style, you, our loyal listeners, have been here every step of the way with WGSO. It's now our 75th anniversary, and we are so proud to have you here with us to celebrate. So we're going to celebrate all year long to show our gratitude to you and make 2021 our most successful year yet. And we will also continue to bring programs that appeal to people of all backgrounds. So from all of us at WGSO, we want to say thank you for making us the community voice of the Crescent City. I get misty just holding your hand. Yes, thank you, Tom. The melodious sounds of Tom Fitzmaurice. So anyway, I went to uh, the Highlands Bar and Grill on one of the many trips back and forth between here and uh, D.C., where Jude graduated from high school. And uh, I thought it was odd. There was a bar about to sneeze. Okay, I have, that's good. I actually have a mute button on the phone. Anyway, um, at the bar, they had deviled eggs. We were talking about deviled eggs yesterday. They had like a, a tower just as a bar snack, and it was deviled eggs, which I'd never seen as a bar snack. But, um, and it wasn't, it's not my kind of thing, but I thought it was odd and rather perfect for it to be. Um, at a place like the Highlands Bar and Grill. There's something in here called Highlands Mint Tea, which I definitely need to start drinking more mint tea because my mint is doing the same thing that the basil was, which is proliferating, and then I never, ever touch it, which is sad, and then it just goes away, and then I try to get it back, and I probably won't do anything with it anyway. So it's yellow cheddar, it's cream cheese, white pepper, bell peppers that are roasted. You're supposed to peel off the um, the black blister on it, but I, I don't actually mind that. And so I have little bits of black in my pimento cheese. I have very colorful pimento cheese because there's a lot of stuff in it. Do you like stuff in things, Patty? Not really. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we diverge our yeah. paths. <laughs> separate at that point. I like stuff in everything. And the chunkier the stuff, the better. Something that's smooth and totally pureed is beautifully gourmet, but I don't I don't find it nearly as interesting as things with stuff in it. Anyway, mayo is in it. And um, they have sugar in it, but I've never put sugar in anything savory. And hot sauce. So it's pretty simple. And then I go ahead and add all the stuff that I put in it, which is amounts to olives or nuts or both or separate. So I have my different versions. 
But anyway, I'm probably not going to do any pimento cheese this year because I don't have enough people coming to Thanksgiving, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's good to not have a lot of pimento cheese on hand. Fortunately, there are people that used to come to Thanksgiving that loved it, and I would send them home with like a whole a whole quart of it because I tend to make way too much of everything just in case I want to eat half of it myself. <laughs> but 6696 is the number. They actually were not shelling uh, peas. They were shelling butter beans, which is another thing that people who are really particular about their gourmet, fresh, farm-to-table, which was, you know, back in that day, that wasn't as prevalent as it is now. But there are pictures of people shelling the butter beans, which look exceptionally good. The truth is, it's great if you have the resources, the staff, the time to to do a farm-to-table thing. I mean, it's always better if it's right out of the ground or right off the bush. And very few people eat like that. I was intrigued by the potatoes right out of the ground story that Tom told about Paul Prudhomme. I want to encourage my little grandsons who are really big into farming uh, to, to grow some potatoes. And then I want to try a potato right out of the ground because I'm never going to do a potato in the ground here. I, I can pretty much say that with um, great conviction. I don't think that's going to happen. Five five six nine six nine six is the number if you want to talk to me. I would love to talk to you. We are talking about food, as we have done on this show for 33 years. Not me, Tom, me for about two years, and it's a totally different way of talking about food. I would still love to talk about food the way Tom talked about food, which is that everyone is going out to eat food in a restaurant and reporting on it. But I don't know if everyone is doing what we're doing. I don't think so. I don't think so. Or that they're just, would you say? I don't think so. I don't think people are going out like they used to. You don't think so? Mm-mm. <sighs> well, that's, that's depressing. Honestly, I have to say, <laughs> uh, it's been almost two years now. And I would have thought that the tremendous constraints that have been placed on restaurants, well, across the nation, but particularly here. And, I mean, we are one of four cities with a vax mandate. All the other cities are massively larger than ours. So I am, I'm really surprised that more restaurants, and of course we have hurricanes on top of it all. So, I'm surprised that more restaurants have not departed the scene. And I'm shocked that, I won't say so many, because it's not a lot, but even a few that are starting out in these times, I'm, I'm really impressed. And they're making a go of it. So good for them. Anyway, words to read by today are from Tom Snyder. Do you remember him? He was the I late, do, he was, yeah. He was the post-Johnny Carson, was it? The Tonight Show, and then was it later? What was the name of that show? I don't know. Uh, wasn't it like Tomorrow or something like that? Yeah, that's it. Tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was Tonight and then Tomorrow. Yeah, because it went over. I think it crossed over yeah. the next day. It was like 1230 or something. By the way, we have Darren on the phone. 
Okay. Well, let's talk to Darren. Hello, Darren. Hi, how's it going? It's going fine. How about with you? It's going well. I, I was calling to tell you, I you know, we've talked about recently about burgers and everything from fast food to a higher end, but you know where we went last night just unexpectedly, and they really do a good burger is walk-ons. They do a good everything. I I think walk-ons cheese fries are among the best around, and and they're not even fresh; they're frozen, but they're good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I think it's a really good burger. I just I, I yeah. really do. And it's a good uh, salad. They have good salads. Yeah, you know, normally when my daughter's home from college, that's what she will get there. And um, she she loves that salad with, I think it has strawberries and some type of nuts and maybe feta cheese. But um, Walk-Ons is another one of those places that's much better than it needs to be. You know? I, I, I Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And, and it's... Obviously, it's a it's a different atmosphere, but right, it's, sure. it's relaxed, it's laid back, it's incredibly noisy. And, um, I'll say that <laughs> it is, it is, and I've and actually I've heard people, some people have told me that their their eyes don't do well with all of the televisions, but it doesn't bother me. But uh-huh. um, well, they're supposed to be looking at the good. person they're with anyway, so. That's right. You know? I, I would agree with you. And so I wanted to tell you, I, I, I made a reservation last night for this Friday at Desi Vegas, but in Metairie. So it'll be the first time ever going to that okay. location. So not not sure if you've ever been there or if you have any thoughts. You know, I've always liked that space, and I, I don't even know why. It has no... It has nothing to recommend it. It is in a um, an office building, and there's no reason to like it. But I've always liked it. And maybe it's because Charlie G's was the original restaurant in that location. And I have to say that none of the restaurants that have followed have had a vibe as good as Charlie G's or, frankly, food as good as Charlie G's. But I still like all of the restaurants that have been in there. I like the Heritage Grill when it was there. And and I, I know this sounds really desperate, but I don't even mind the view of Veterans Highway and the canal from the windows up top. I mean, I, I like I like the restaurant. And you know, it's Desi Vegas, so it's good. I think it's yeah, it's, I, I, I think you'll have a very fine meal there. What? Yeah, I'm excited, and I'll share with you. So my my dad, who is my best friend, he is 78, and he has never been to a steakhouse like that. So, I mean, probably the nicest steakhouse that, if, if we even called it a steakhouse, would be something like a chain, like an Outback or a Saltgrass. So I told him, I said, I am taking you. I mean, we're, we're my family plus, he's going. And I said, and it's non-negotiable. You're not ordering chicken because it's, it's 
not as expensive. I said, I want you to order <laughs> one of one of the steaks. You, you need to experience this. And I even put uh-huh. like, on the on the uh, the reason why we were coming. I put that my dad and I put his name. Is it's his first time ever dining at a fine steakhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Why has he not gone to Mr. John's with you? I thought he was always with you. I don't know. He, uh, you know, he's, he's pretty simple when it comes to, to food and, and not not that that's a bad thing. And you know what is amazing? And you'll really appreciate this. So my dad retired as a foreman from the Hotel Intercontinental. Well, his best buddy was Chef Cohn. Was Chef who? I don't think my, was, 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 was the chef, Chef Willie oh. Cohn. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. But, Marianne, I don't think my dad, in all the years he worked there, I don't think he ever ate at the restaurant. <laughs> so it, uh, you know, you know so I, think I, think this is, I think this is really true across the board with just about all of life's experiences. I think that people have certain mentalities that they have and they see themselves, well, we, we use the word identify now. So, you know, if you... Like, I identify as a person far wealthier than myself, than I am, which is a problem. And so, you know, my kids always tease me about that, but I don't know what's better to, to, um, to identify in that way where you just want the good things or to, to have the money, because I actually know someone who does, who, never goes above a certain place, you know? And so I I think it's really interesting because people sort of get fixated on where they, quote, belong. And it's fascinating to watch that, you know? I mean, Tom is a really interesting example because he didn't, he grew up without anything, really. And he has definitely lived uh, the good life, you know? And... um and it, it's just, it's just, and, and my family tells well, me I'm far snootier than I have any right to be, which I, it's true, yeah. it's definitely true. And, Go ahead, what? and you know, my, you know, Marianne, it's interesting because, you know, we're all native New Orleanians and my dad is, you know, my, my dad's family is, is from the bayou, even though uh, my dad spent most of his life in the metro New Orleans area. And um, they were so incredibly poor in fact, my dad often tells the story, he needed a tooth pulled, and my late grandmother could not afford 25 cents for the Novocaine. Uh, and um, yeah. and uh-huh. so, yeah, so I guess fine dining was never, and, and, and not that Desi Vegas is fine dining, but I just, you know, I thought about that, and, and it's like, I, I, um, I'm going to start making these reservations periodically, and I'm Good. telling him you're coming with Good. me whether you like it or not. <laughs> Good. I hope that you can teach the old dog new tricks because, um, well, it didn't take much for me to learn those new tricks. But um, but it does for a lot of people. And some people just never come around. But it's definitely, you know, it's definitely 
a good thing if you can go to Desi Vega uh, instead of, you know, the salt grass. And especially if someone else is paying for it, that's great. <laughs> so I hope, that, I hope that you can talk him out of his um, self-identified station. Give us a report on that. So I'm kind of curious. I'm excited about it, and uh, I told him, I said, Dad, you just you, you can wear a pair of slacks and a dress shirt. That's fine. You know, you don't get all dressed up. And yeah. um, I, I, I'm excited. I told him, I said, it's, you're ordering a steak. That there, there, I have a. That's my one criteria that you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna back out on one of those good snakes. So. No. Okay. Well, give us a report. I want to hear how it goes. I will. As your dad gets you introduced to to the uh, the fine steakhouse, that'll be that'll be fun to hear. All right. Thanks for calling, you Darren. Got it. Five, five, All right, nine, nine six is another. If you want to talk to me, I'm about to talk to you. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris, carrying on the food show here. Thirty three years. Let's talk about food. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. The Crescent City Steakhouse has been a favorite since the first time I discovered it on Mardi Gras Day. This old-fashioned steakhouse hasn't changed much since it opened in 1934. I love the steaks. Here is prime beef, dry-aged in-house, a great T-bone or porterhouse steak. The Vojkovic family has welcomed generations of locals to this special place, and they'd love to welcome you. Crescent City Steakhouse, 1001 North Broad, 821-3271. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, don't ask me. I won't dance, madame, with you. Gosh, I so prefer this to the headsets. I'm sure it sounds really bad, though, does it, Patty? Is well, it, it doesn't sound really bad. It just sounds like you're on the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do to take that away. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well. Um, it's it's much easier than all the equipment, I have to say. Oh, yeah. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number if you want to talk to me. Let's talk about food. We're just, you know, chattering on about food. Um, it is fascinating to me to watch an evolution like that. My sister, the one who's just been traveling all around, my sister um, is, was, is, was with someone or is with someone who was always watching his money. And it, there wasn't really any resource, just the way he grew up. And so they used to go to these, the, uh, I think... There was this place they went to in the D.C. area called the Hard Times, and they they really loved it. It was like every Wednesday they went there for the wing night or something like that. And and I keep I kept telling my sister, you know, you really really ought to break out of that, you know. And and boy, she took the same advice that that she she adopted the same kind of plan that I did when we were first married. My uh, my husband used to say, why don't you go spend some money? And I said, when I feel like I have it, I will, believe me. And then after a while, 
when I felt like I had it, I started and Tom goes, okay, well, maybe we can dial that back a little bit. And so it's just kind of a mindset that you get into or out of. So I, I want to see how Darren's dad does with that. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. If you want to talk, let's talk about food. I started to talk about Tom Snyder saying the word the words you eat by Tom Snyder. The difference between roast beef and pea soup <laughs> is that anyone can roast beef. There you I don't go. Know if that's true. Mm. I don't know if that's true though. Well, we have Victor on the phone who wants to talk to you. Yeah, let's go to Victor. Hey, how you doing, Marianne? Hey. Hey, I, I just heard your last call. I think it was that wanted to know about Desi Gays and Mattery. Mm-hmm. I've been there about maybe four times in the last year or two, and I mm-hmm. think that place is excellent. I mean, some of my dining partners have even gotten seafood there, and it's excellent. And, in it's fact, sometimes they serve you a complimentary place. meatball, and one, oh, and one occasion, fast, the guy asked for meatballs and spaghetti, and they actually I'm, served him. Look, that... And I'm telling you, they make a great meatball. That meatball is his grandmother's recipe. Patty, have you ever had the meatball at Desi Vegas? No, I haven't, but... Oh, hmm. God. Okay, so we go to a lot of fancy restaurants. And I've seen a lot of amuse-bouches in my time. And for my money, that single meatball on a little plate with a couple of tablespoons of red sauce with a little Parmesan dusted on top is right there with the best amuse-bouche anywhere. I'm and with, I just, yeah. I, it's fantastic. Actually, I'm thinking... No, no, they're not open today. But but they serve just the meatballs at happy hour, and it's a larger okay. version. And they're not cheap; they're two dollars a piece. But um, but they're great. That sauce is so good. Anyway, yes, it's a top quality place. It always has been from day one. It really is. And, I mean, everything. Yeah. The staff service is very good. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Are good. It's right up there. Yeah. I can highly recommend it. Now, did you go to, to Heritage Grill when it was there? Did you Pardon go to me? Heritage Grill? I okay. used to belong to the health club in the uh, 80s, I think it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. I've been there for a while. But I live in Harahan now, but it's more convenient for me to dine there than Desi Vegas downtown, you know. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, do you, you live out in Harahan, do you ever go to Oak Oven? Sure. I do. Yeah. I like Love it Oak pretty good. That's much better than, than its looks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Popeye's I find place, that a fascinating situation. They took an old Popeye's and they they did really a minimal job. There's nothing especially comfortable about the place. There's nothing mm. Sumptuous. It's basically mm. plywood booths, etc. But the food there is so good. The original chef cooked at a two-star Michelin in Calgary, Sicily, and that food is spectacularly good. So you know, you just kind of forgive the space. I think. Right. Exactly. Anyway, I think 
what was his name? Darren? He's going to have a nice time taking his dad there. Yeah, he is. He is, for sure. Okay. Anything That's happening all I else there? Any, wait, I want to ask you something else about the Harahan sure. scene. Anything else happening out there that's interesting uh, culinary-wise? Did the village No, most close? of my dining's, you know, on its south shore. But I, I did go to, I was, a while back I told you I went to the last time at that, but uh, uh, Oxlot Dine, I went there the last oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. week it was open. Uh-huh. Drive oh that's good. We went there over the weekend. But drive to if you if you wanted to go to Oxlot, go to Bay St. Louis. It's a great little drive. It's only forty five minutes. Bay St. Louis is an adorable place and the thorny oyster is definitely worth the trip. It's already in my contacts. I just yet to have a day of suitable for me to yeah. get over there. Okay. Good. All right, thanks well, a lot. Bye bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Back to Harahan. Uh, Tom used to always call Harahan sort of a culinary wasteland, which it kind of is. But anyway, um, Scott Craig took over the Bienvenue Bar and Grill. And then their place, Cedars or Scythers, is getting a lot of attention. So it's not, it's not totally wasted. And Desi Vega has his hamburger place out there across from Zia on... on uh, I know, is it, no, it's not citrus, it's hickory. Yeah, I get my streets confused out there. And then the, um, the cheesesteak place, Liberty Cheesesteaks, just moved across the street from Oak Oven in a place that was called, I don't know if it was Smoke, maybe it was, but it was a barbecue place, didn't last very long, which is too bad. And then, of course, there's the noodle place, Kim An, which is uh, and has been since, I want to say the late 80s, really popular and has quite a following, especially in a little strip mall in Harahan for people to be going out there. Anyway, at 3 o'clock, we have um, Chef Shia, not Alon Shia, from the Bywater Bakery, who is going to talk about some things for Thanksgiving. So uh, we look forward to that. And I asked, I reached out to uh, Justin Kennedy, about the promotion that he does in conjunction with um, Al Copeland Jr. The Copelands went into a liaison with LSU um, to fight cancer uh, after Al Copeland passed away of the unusual cancer that he did. And they've been doing some groundwork breaking work on immunotherapy and very exciting results. And the Copeland Foundation every year partners with Parkway Poor Boys. And on Thursdays, they have a turkey dinner poor boy and the proceeds go to the Copeland Foundation for their work on cancer. Have you ever had that past? Yes, I have. It's delicious. Dressing cranberry. What else is What else is on there? Uh, I don't know, but it's really good. But you can only yeah. get it at certain times of the year, like, it's and, and it's only one day. Yeah, it's Thursdays in November. Thursdays in November. So I just want to mention that. And I asked him to call and talk about. It. He just got. He sent me a text saying, "I just got the text." Sorry, and then I said, "Well, you can still call," but then he hasn't called. He hasn't texted me back, so I don't know if he's going to do it, but if you go to hashtag 
I did it for the turkey. You can find out the details on this, and it's certainly a very worthwhile thing. So go enjoy a delicious turkey dinner on a poor boy and help the groundbreaking, exciting work that the Copeland Foundation is doing in conjunction with the LSU Medical Center. It is 3 o'clock, time for the Louisiana Radio Network News, WGSO, New Orleans. USA Radio News with Tim Berg. More Americans are expected to hit the roads this Thanksgiving. AAA putting that number at more than 53 million. That's a 13% increase, and it comes a year after folks were advised to stay home due to the pandemic. Air travel is expected to jump 80% over last year with more than 4 million passengers. However, 90% of all travel will still be done by car. The FBI is now part of a criminal investigation into what went wrong at a Houston concert where eight people died last Friday. It happened when fans rushed the stage and Houston Fire Chief Samuel Pena says there are also reports of possible druggings. There was some evidence that uh, that some drugs uh, were present there at the event. Um, there was one report of a security guard that described a, a needle prick to the neck. This is USA Radio News. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. The White House is again touting the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that President Biden is set to sign this week. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo focusing on the expansion of broadband access across the United States. We must connect all Americans, regardless of where they live, to high-speed, affordable Internet. Ramondo saying too many poor and rural communities do not have affordable high-speed Internet access. The public is getting a chance to lay flowers Tuesday at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. It marks the first time in nearly a century that the public will be allowed to pay respects and lay flowers at the base of the tomb. The opportunity comes as Veterans Day on Thursday marks the 100th anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, which holds the graves of three unknown American service members. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> the greatest radio shows of all time, USA Classic Radio Theater. On these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater. USA Classic Radio Theater. 
According to the most recent Rasmussen poll, two-thirds of U.S. voters don't believe illegal immigrants have the right to sue the U.S. government, and as for settlement payments for families separated at the border, most think the proper amount is zero. The latest Rasmussen Report's national telephone and online survey finds that only 17% of likely U.S. voters think illegal immigrants should be allowed to sue the U.S. government, while 66% say they shouldn't be. We'll have a cold front coming through by Thursday again. This one's going to bring down cooler, sunny conditions in time for our weekend. And we may squeeze out some shower activity Thursday. Other than that, partly cloudy skies today and more clouds tomorrow. Mid-70s today and tomorrow. Overnight lows of 50s to near 60. Upper 70s to 80 with scattered storms Thursday, followed by sunny, gusty, cooler 70s Friday. Sunshine 60s Saturday as well as Sunday. Ralph Sanji, WGSO. Rico's Tires and Wheels offers quality used tires. They fix flat tires too, and they do wheel repair. Rico's Tires and Wheels, just a few blocks south of Veterans, 2609 David Drive, Metairie, 504-455-5199. Rico's Tires and Wheels, quality used tires. They fix flat tires too, and they do wheel repair. Just a few blocks south of Veterans, 2609 David Drive, Metairie, 504-455-5199. Second hour of the food show. I'm Marianne Fitzmorris talking about food as we have on this show for 33 years. We have on the phone with us Chef Chaya from um, Bywater Bakery, and I, I'm surprised to hear that you're doing some Thanksgiving things. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, how are you? I I am good, and I hope that you are too. I I, I am. Thanks for having me on. I, you have some very uh, enthusiastic fans, I will say that. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know much about you, except that I think you were like the bakery director at Rouse's or something before you I started was, the bakery? Yeah. Um, okay. I was, before I, I, I left to open up my own place, um, I was the bakery director for Rouse's. And before that, um, I was regional for Whole Foods and... Um, Worked at a lot of restaurants in the New Orleans area, but um, I've been in the bakery business. Uh, basically, I got my first job in a bakery when I was 14 years old. So, a long time ago. Gosh, now. where was that? Um, it was in, uh, in Vermont at a place called Genois Pastry Shop. And I lied about okay. my age to get the job. I was supposed to be 15, <laughs> and I was 14. Were you back in the kitchen, or were you up at the counter? Yes. I was, no, I was back in the kitchen. I was making food oh. parts. That was my first job. Oh, wow. I called myself a tartiste. <laughs> so did you have, how long have you been down in these parts? 31 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, a long and, time. And what brought, what brought you down here? Yeah, what brought you down here? Uh, well, I did my extern from the Culinary Institute of America at Arno's and fell in love with the city down here. So uh, and now, uh-huh. you know, okay. we've got this wonderful business, and I live three blocks from here with my husband. We're definitely home. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, the Bywater Bakery is located, obviously, in the Bywater. Where is it exactly? 3624 Dauphine Street, which is the corner of Independence and Dauphine. So it's now, not you have, neighborhood, and it's just a it really, is. it's a sweet little neighborhood gem. No, yeah, it's a little corner spot. You have you have a lot of eclectic things there. What what sort of things? You have a lot of savory things, I know. And uh-huh. and so we do you know, things I like love- we have a, a light breakfast and lunch menu. We do um, breakfast go cups, so it's like a breakfast parfait with bits, uh, like a breakfast gumbo, which is uh, gu- chicken and andouille gumbo over grits and eggs. Mm. Um, and we have some sandwiches, like a Cubano, Mapulana, lemon caper tuna. We make yummy. We'll have soup when it's cold. We, you know, we have lots of uh, various breakfast pastries and, of course, cakes. Cakes are our number one yeah. thing. We are very... Oh, is that uh, right? Really? Yeah, we have... Because you seem to have a lot of savory items there, and I would almost call it a cafe as well as... I mean, it is, I guess it's called the Bywater Bakery Cafe. Is that is that right? It's the Bywater just Bakery, Bywater. but it definitely has a cafe element to it. Yeah, um, it really, really does. So it's not yeah. surprising that you would have some Thanksgiving items. So we're kind of doing yeah. a little roundup of Thanksgiving. So are you doing takeout things for Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, well, of course, yeah. We... um. We do a really uh, stellar pie business. Actually, when we got started our first year, before we were fully built out in, in the bakery, we are selling pies on the corner. Just trying to get some money together. <laughs> uh, um, so it's kind of, a, it's sort of a birthday for us. Um, so, uh, yeah, we um, are do a butterscotch pecan pie. So um, that is made with real scotch and butter and, Obviously, pecans and deliciousness. Um, a chocolate so, peanut butter pie, apple rosemary. Okay. Now, that might sound like like that sounds really a, a lot of flavor, but the rosemary just is enough to just give it that real rich deliciousness without uh-huh. being overpowered. It doesn't taste like Christmas trees, you know. <laughs> um, uh, do you do any do, chocolate? Uh, anything? We, what? Do you do any chocolate? Anything? Um, so the chocolate peanut butter pie, for sure, oh. for, for as far as pies go. Uh-huh. Um, All right. And then and you- other pies, we're doing a sweet potato chiffon pie, which is like a sweet potato mousse, which is kind of an oxymoron, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's yeah. delicious. A butternut squash, a pecan praline pie. This is like our take on a pumpkin pie, but but yummier um, <laughs> because it's got chantilly icing and praline sauce on it. So it's pretty incredible. And then we, this year we have a blueberry elderflower pie, which is actually vegan. So we'll have an option for vegans too. Um, we do rolls, asking us about We'll have a stuffing cube, all the things you could possibly want except the turkey. Okay. <laughs> now, um, people are always asking about where they could get a fresh baked pie. It's really not that easy to find a place that's serving pies that are home baked. Yeah. Um, why we, did you why well, did you we make our crust What? I guess that is why you went that route because it not many people are doing it and it's a service that is is definitely wanted. 
Yeah, I mean, that's why I left to open up my own shop, because I wanted to really go back and start making everything from scratch again and really just love baking. And it's such a a great way to bring community together. It's a labor of love. That's what our whole thing is. We try to, you know, we, we make everything, keep it very affordable and approachable, but make it with really high quality ingredients. So um, you can come in and get just a slice of pie, or do you have to buy the whole pie? Nope, we have slices available for the whole month. And then um, we will have whole pies available. I mean, we'll have whole pies available the whole month also. But the big pickup window is is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We're typically closed on Wednesdays, but, of course, we're open that Wednesday. It's a very big day for us. Uh Uh-huh. So um, do you, you said you'll have slices of pie for the whole month. Do you not normally have that? No. We, we typically don't sell a lot of pie, except for in the springtime. People love eating pie. I'm not sure why. And then around Thanksgiving. Other than that, our primary business is cakes. So I'm wrong about that. When people call up and ask for pie, there's really not that much of a demand for pie. Not for the rest of the year, but they are. there is a demand for pie this time of year. Hmm. Okay. So tell us about your cakes. So um, I wrote the recipe for uh, Whole Foods back in the day for their Chantilly cake. So Chantilly's mm-hmm. kind of my baby, and then we brought it to Rouse's, and of course, I uh, I sell it in my own shop. And we do a couple other f- varieties of Chantilly also. We do a chocolate strawberry, a lemon, a coconut, a pumpkin, and a chai, chocolate chai spice. So um, we say all of them with that same light mascarpone whipped cream. That's really delicious. We also have like a chocolate butter pecan and... Um, of course, red velvet and carrot cake and all of those. We do custom cakes. We do wedding cakes. We do a lot of cakes. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's a good thing because bakery, you should do a lot of cakes. So uh, you're, <laughs> open, you're, you're open baker's hours, like three. Uh, you're there at 3 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and then you open, what, at 7 or so or when? We open at 8 and close at 2. Okay, so you do. You basically are doing the bakery thing with the the breakfast and lunch. What mm-hmm. other exactly. what, what other things do you uh, do? You ever do like any specials that are unexpected? You know. Well, um, right now, of course, we are also doing a uh, the Thanksgiving sandwich with the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing and the cranberry. So we have that all the time during. Uh, we do that every day during November. Um, and uh-huh. yeah, we do special stuff all the, t- all the time. Um, we'll start to pull back on doing special stuff though, as we go into king cake season. And then okay, it's so all about between, the king cake. Between Thanksgiving and king cake season, do you do much for Christmas? Is there any kind of special thing that you do for Christmas? Oh yeah, we do Yule logs and croaking bushes. We do. And we huh. do Oh, we do all kinds of stuff. We'll have pies again. We'll, we'll, and cakes, of course. We we do all the classic Christmas things. Are the are the Bush the Noel and all the, the 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 Yule log and what else? What are the other ones? 
There the are crocodiles. Panettone? Do you do a panettone? We don't usually do a panettone. I don't have uh, quite the right equipment to handle that well. So. Uh-huh. So what other kinds of, like, European traditional baked items do you have at Christmas? Well, we'll do Christmas cookies, of course, and gingerbread and, you know, all the things that you you associate with Christmas. Look for in Christmas, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So if, we'll do if candies and we have fun with it. You do candy? We get to get for creative. That's one of the things my team really likes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you do special uh, confections, like candy at Christmas mm-hmm. also? Oh, good. Yeah, like, we what do you have? Yeah, we'll do truffles, and we do uh, all kinds of different stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So if a person wanted your assistance for their menu at Thanksgiving, do they mm-hmm. need to, I guess, order now? Oh, now is now is good for sure. Um, we, okay. it's a, we have stuff available to order online. Our pies are all available online to order, um, and then okay. you can also call or if you're here for breakfast or lunch, you can place an order with one of my team members. So basically, okay. any way you want to order, we're here ready to take it. Okay. So what is the what is the web address for them to go online and have a look at what you're offering for Thanksgiving? Uh huh. It's bywaterbakerynola.com. BywaterBakeryNola.com. All right. I appreciate you being with us. We're doing like a little Thanksgiving roundup of things that people yeah, can get. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Go for Thanksgiving. So I, I thank you very much for being with us, and good luck with everything. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Get back, 556-9696. Mandeville Seafood has been a local favorite, serving their house-made roast beef poor boys, seafood poor boys, and even a French fry poor boy in a fast, casual environment. Here is an extensive menu of salads and sandwiches and fried seafood, baskets and platters, as well as sides like stuffed artichokes, meat pies, and jalapeno cheese bites, and we love the very attentive service here at Mandeville Seafood Restaurant and Market, celebrating 25 years. One of my all-time favorite restaurants is the legendary Pascal's Manali. It's now open for lunch Wednesday through Friday, with happy hour specials in the dining room every day. Tuesdays, enjoy two-for-one appetizers and Hans's vodka martinis. Wednesday and Thursdays, wine and beer specials. Friday's lunch martinis are $5. Say hello to my friend Thomas at that great oyster bar when you go to Pascal's Manali, 1838 Napoleon Avenue. Reservations are recommended. Call 895-4877. When you're awake, the things you think come from the dreams you dream. Thought has wings and lots of things are never what they seem. Alrighty, five five six nine six nine six is the number. I've been enjoying looking through this Frank Stitt Southern table uh, while we've been talking and just in between breaks and all. I uh, find it interesting. You know, they say that if you're going to do a house renovation or any kind of renovation in a space, that that should be done every 20 years. And I feel like, well, I guess 20 years is a is a generation. Is that right? 20 years a generation? I think it is. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Um, which makes sense, because you see trends 
and and they change. So I'm looking at this book, which is a really beautiful book. It's got great pictures. It's got that that look of um, the new generation of cookbooks where you want to read it like a book, that you're not really going, like the joy of cooking is a cookbook, and you, you know, go into it when you need something and you don't mind getting batter on the pages, and, you know, it's it's kind of a go-to thing. These books are beautiful works of art, and you might use them as a cookbook, but you also could just as likely sit on the sofa and literally read them like a book. And it's a sort of a feast for the eyes as well. The photography is, is stunning, and it's just a gorgeous book. And this is, this book here was written, uh, it came out in 2004, so that is 17 years ago? Yeah, 17 years ago. That's almost a generation, and you can really see that it's dated. I mean, you can, you can, it's a gorgeous book and I, I want to go back and read it again, but it looks different than the books that are coming out now. It's different in every way. And it's just kind of fascinating to me to see, to see that the food is every bit as contemporary in today as the food you see on tables today, but the overall look of the book is is different and uh, and so much has changed in seventeen years. I mean, you know, he's probably opened and closed a few restaurants, and it's just uh, it's just kind of fun to ponder that. I mean, at least it is for me. Five five six nine six nine six is the number. The Bywater Bakery is uh, is kind of cultish. It's definitely uh, well, Bywater is an interesting place. Patty, have you you've obviously been there? How did you wind up? Um, calling Chef Shia. Bye-bye. I've heard a lot of things about Bywater Bakery, and I've been trying to get there, but, like, you know, she's only open from 8 to 2. Right. But um, I've got some friends that live in the Bywater, and they Uh just rave about her place. Yeah. And like you said, she has very enthusiastic fans. Yes. She has very enthusiastic fans. It's kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, if you are really, really creative, I would think that it would be difficult to work in an institutional environment where you're doing mass volume, like a Rouse's, for right. example. Right. You know, where you don't have a chance to really, because you're doing so much that you don't really have a chance to explore something like a blueberry elderberry pie you know mm-hmm. you're, you're just you're just doing the coconut pie for thousands right know? and i would imagine that it would be uh, a dream to be harbored while you're doing something like that to have a place like the bywater bakery and i'm glad that she has gone out on her own and found a uh, like i said a very I won't say totally cultish following, but they are, as I said, very, very they are. enthusiastic. And she's yeah. the one who developed the Chantilly cake. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, you, yeah. you can't get those. It, I mean, you really have to pre-order one if you want one, uh-huh. even in Rouse's, because they just sell so fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, is, well, the Chantilly cake, was it 
did it debut at Rouse's? I mean, no, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Whole Foods uh, would be a place where that would be um, a hit and well-received. And and then it's too bad that everyone has one now. So it's kind yeah. of like, I mean, it's, Rouse's it's a great calls it the Rouse's calls yeah. it the Gentilly cake. Uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, amusing and sad at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a big difference between Chantilly. I think like, I, they don't call it Chantilly and uh, and Gentilly. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know that I've ever actually had it. It's just, what is it, just like yellow cake and whipped cream? Well, it's marzipan uh, whipped cream, I uh-huh. think she said, and it's real, real light and fluffy between the yeah. layers, and then she has, uh, they have strawberries and blueberries yeah. and things like yeah. that, raspberries. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a favorite of a lot of people that I know, mm-hmm. but I don't really eat much cake, but um, I could definitely be talked into a, a light yellow cake with whipped cream frosting. Yeah. <laughs> And fresh fruit. You got the healthy fresh fruit. <laughs> you got a what? You got the healthy fresh fruit. Oh, you know? yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that compensates for everything, doesn't right, it? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking earlier about seafood Newberg, and I've had it a couple of times. Have you ever had it, Patty? Seafood Newberg? No, I haven't. It's one of those old-fashioned dishes like beef wellington. You don't see it very much. But it is really good. Are you, do we, did I ask you if you were a lobster fan? I think it was kind of like, eh. Yeah, right? it, I, I mean, I like it. I'm, it's not like one of my favorites. I won't turn it down, but I wouldn't order it. I, I'd, I'd rather go with shrimp or crab. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is good, I think, this seafood Newburgh. I usually see it as a seafood Newburgh rather than a lobster Newburgh because we don't live where there's lobster, but um, down here they used to serve it as a seafood Newburgh, and it was a really, really intense, delicious seafood cream sauce. And how far along can you go with that? I mean, a, a really great seafood in a cream sauce, in a volivant. I mean, that's pretty great stuff. But it's not something that you see very much now. I don't I don't understand why, but anyway. Five five six nine six nine six is the birthday at eighteen oh one of Gail Borden, the man who caused the name Borden to be forever associated with dairy products. His great advance was figuring out how to condense milk and can it in stable form such that it would remain wholesome without refrigeration. He was generally interested in concentrating all sorts of food in the same way for the same reason, but milk was his mainstay. I wonder if they did anything else, because I don't know of anything else that I see. Yeah, I don't think so. Opening Borden on it in a can. And I I wonder, I'm going to ask, or you'll have to ask uh, Nicole on Thursday, if, if there are canned products like condensed milk and such that will be difficult to get because of the of the usual reasons. Anyway, five five six nine six nine six is the number. We're talking about food as we always do here on the food show. We were talking about split pea soup earlier and a good split pea soup is a wonderful thing. And uh 
I'm still going to make it at some point, although I can't tell you when. Words to drink by today are from Miguel Cervantes, but Don Quixote. Under a bad cloak, there is often a good drinker. That's probably true. There's probably <laughs> a lot of good drinkers under a bad cloak. I don't know. <laughs> Now, this is not true of New Orleans, because you probably do see a cloak every now and then. (laughs) I was going to say, a cloak is a little hard to find, but maybe not so much so in New Orleans. Certainly more more so here than any place else where you might find a cloak. 5569696 is the number. So, Patty, I am looking forward to trying some places that I haven't been out in L.A., and I'm, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to go to Mr. Chow and have hyper-expensive Chinese food yeah. where, where you walk through paparazzi and then the famous people get shifted off to a dark room while the rest of the people who came to see them never get a chance to see them. It's really <laughs> it's an amusing situation. <laughs> I looked at but, their menu. Um, I mean, it looks delicious, but you're right. It's like really it expensive. What I'm looking forward to is going to big city, sophisticated Chinese. That's what, that's what there is in a big city, sophisticated Chinese. There's a place in Houston that's sophisticated Chinese. I can't think of the name of it right now, though. But... Um, there's a place, Din Tai Fung, which I really, really love, and we'll definitely go there. But um, I'm trying to decide if on my own I'm going to go to um, Mr. Chow because it's fun. It's fun. And I've been just once 14 years ago and once 40 years ago before that. So I'm, I'm sort of overdue. I think I'm going to do that for sure. And then I don't know what else. Maybe my favorite restaurant in the whole wide world has moved to West Hollywood, and I haven't been to that location. So I'm trying to figure out. These are, you know, the kids go to bed at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock, so I've got the evening to myself, and uh, and I will probably do a little bit of eating like that. Anyway, 5569696 five, six, nine, six, nine, six is the number. It's 3.30, time for Louisiana Radio Network News. Louisiana Radio Network News, I'm Kevin Gallagher. The former sheriff of St. Tammany Parish is found guilty of four counts of aggravated rape, two counts aggravated incest, one count of sexual battery, and one count of indecent behavior with a juvenile. Crimes that date back to the 1970s. St. Tammany District Attorney Warren Montgomery says his staff worked very hard to get the conviction. Jack Strain was a very powerful and influential individual. This was a high-stakes prosecution. Strain served as sheriff in St. Tammany for 20 years. Some of the crimes occurred during that time. The jury of six men and six women deliberated just over five hours before returning the verdict. Strain is facing a life sentence. United Airlines announces they're dropping service in and out of Monroe Regional Airport. The carrier cites low ticket sales as the reason. Airport Director Charles Busher says the pandemic and resulting flight restrictions were instrumental in losing United. He hopes that Delta and American Airlines can fill the gap at Monroe Regional. This is news on LRN. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming soon to Louisiana. It won't be long until you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving customers $100 in free bets when you sign up before they go live. No deposit required. DraftKings is bringing their experience as a leader in daily fantasy sports to the sports betting world and have created one of America's top-rated sportsbook app, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use code LA Sports when you sign up. Those who sign up right now will get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Louisiana. That's code LA Sports to get $100 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1 877 Stop. 7867. 21 and over. Louisiana only. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions. The Edwards Mortgage Group, the Mason Collective, NOLA Title Group, and ARC Insurance Consultants are the ones to call on for all of your home needs. Whether it's mortgages, closing, sales, or insurance, they take care of your home needs, and now they have come together to help take care of the needs of our beloved New Orleans music community by partnering with Bougainvillea Productions and Soul Project NOLA for FunkyUncle.Live. FunkyUncle.Live is a free webcast live from the one-of-a-kind Mardi Gras float, the Funky Uncle Lounge, that features New Orleans musicians playing live music combined with interviews and outreach news to raise money for the entertainment community of New Orleans that have been impacted by COVID-19. You can join in the funky fun time by simply going to www.FunkyUncle.Live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Coming to the Funky Uncle Lounge on November 3rd, it's Kevin Gulledge and the Blues Groovers. And on November 10th, Indian Water featuring Big Chief Gerald Page. For more information on how you can support live from the Funky Uncle, go to funkyuncle.live and follow us on social media. Autumn in New York, why does it seem so inviting? Ah, uh, yes. Gosh, it's, it's almost not autumn. It's almost winter. I mean, it's, it feels great, though, I have to say. It's a little cloudy today. We had another... <laughs> I'm, I'm not even going to say where I went to lunch. It's, just, it's getting too embarrassing, but I hope people will excuse us for the circumstances under which we are operating these days. 5569696 is the number. There is a words to eat by, by Irina Schalmers, who is another person who has a cookbook in the old style from about 20 years ago. It is one of those cookbooks that you would get things on because there are no pictures. It's just a cookbook. Do you have any cookbooks like that, Patty, where you just don't, I mean, you, you open them up. You cook. Do you use many cookbooks? I do. Sound I, like you, do. you know, I love cookbooks. I have a whole collection of them, and I Go to the ones mostly with the pictures. I do have that Tom gave me a joy of cooking, which I don't think has any pictures in it, <laughs> but I do go to it's that just, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, that's a great cookbook. It I is. wonder how many have been sold over the years, but it's been reproduced several times and we have a couple of different versions of it, but there is a section of it, when I was going through my pie-making phase, it was how to make a crust yourself. And, you know, we, Tom, Tom definitely educated me out of the, of the processed food world, so we did everything by scratch. And um, I had a long phase of doing pie shells myself. And uh, I could 
know whenever I needed to make a pie shell, which I can probably do by heart, I would know exactly where to find it because there was so much on the pages that I could just sort of, it, it was almost like there was a marker there, you know? And, uh, and that's, that's really the main thing that I use that book for, but there's a lot of good stuff in that book and a lot of really complicated recipes. Oh yeah. And then of course there was the, the phase with the, the cooks illustrated people. Did you have any of those? No, I don't have any of those. Yeah. And the, I think the cooks illustrated people did the best fill in the blank. And, uh, that was the beginning of those kind of books that are just really too pretty. There's a couple of books. Do you find that you have books of, of all the cookbooks that you have? Do you find that you use the same ones over and over again? Yes. And there's just like a handful of those? Yes. I yeah. use uh, John Besh's uh, Family Table Cookbook a mm, lot. Yeah. And Kevin Gorgeous Belton's book. Flavors of New Orleans. I used his cookbook a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you use the Tom Fitzmaurice New Orleans food cookbook. I do. I do. You know, I use that when my friends come in from out of town because uh-huh. I go and get the old restaurant recipes. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's actually a very, very good book. And uh, it's, we use it, well, obviously a lot, but, um, but it's one of the ones that we use more than, you know, any of the other that we have. But it's, it's specific to this area, although there's a lot of things in there that are just like personal favorites, which are not necessarily New Orleans, but they're still really good. Mm-hmm. Five, five, six, nine, six, nine, six is another, another edible dictionary word. Clingstone peach. If Stan was on today, he would be all over that. Were you on the show when we discussed peaches with Stan? No. I think you were. You were? I, I don't remember it. Okay. Well, it's an interesting discussion because he is really educated me a lot in his travels. I mean, I you see peaches that are, because I grew up naturally with, we also had fresh peaches, that's not fair to say, but we had cling peaches in the can. And I always wondered what a cling peach was. Do you know what that is? No, I, I've always wondered too. I thought I had, no, I don't. I don't really know what okay. it is. <laughs> well, there's cling peaches. And there are stone peaches. I think that's the other name for it. You can ask him tomorrow because cling peaches are exactly what it says. It's when the peach clings to the stone. And if the stone or the seed comes out readily, it's a stone peach. Hmm. And... I had no idea until Stan was, I don't know where he was, maybe Alabama or something in peach season. And he was talking about the peaches. And then he sent me a picture of them. And I saw a market that had cling peaches or stone peaches. And I asked him about it and he explained what it was. So Tom is going to do that right now. Among the 300 or so varieties of peaches grown in the United States, the best are in the clingstone category. As the name implies, the flash of the fruit, the flesh of the fruit, sticks to the seed pit and shreds when you try to pull it away. That inconvenience is a small price to pay for the superior flavor 
and juiciness of clingstone peaches. They're good for both eating and baking. However, more eaters are concerned with convenience than flavor, and so clingstones are harder to find in stores than freestone peaches. Okay, so freestone and clingstone. You're more likely to find them at farmer's markets, which is what Stan did when he went out and found the peaches in season. So far, he has found corn right off the cob in season. Um kind of beans i think pinto beans peaches choke cherries asparagus growing wild which i didn't really realize me either. happened <laughs> he showed me this gorgeous picture of wild growing asparagus i mean i guess everything started out wild before it got cultivated but i didn't realize that these things were still growing wild i mean that they hadn't just switched over to just total cultivation. You know what else I was looking at in that book, Frank Sit Southern Table, a stone crab claw. Have you had those? I have had those. Um, they're, God, they're good. They really are. It's no wonder that they're so expensive. expensive one of these yeah. days, yeah, one of these days I want to go to Joe's Stone Crabs in Miami, which is, famous for that mm-hmm. in particular. And, um, I mean, <laughs> I love crab, and I love the, the um, gosh, what are you, the pincher's meat, but there's not a lot of meat there. But on the stone crab, that's pretty impressive. That's a big old mouthful of meat. And they're really expensive, and Joe Stone Crabs is a really expensive place. And I've been to Miami several times but never made it there. So one of these days, I definitely do want to go and actually eat at Joe's Stone Crabs. If you've been there, I'd like to know about it. 5569696 is the number. This weekend is Guacamole Day, and I will not be here to talk about guacamole, but it's, it's I would say, well-known, but it's almost absurd how much we think about, eat, and talk about Mexican food. So it's not a big surprise that I would have something to say about (laughs) Guacamole Day. The word translates from the language of the Aboriginal Mexicans as avocado sauce. They were eating it and avocados, a pure American food, long before the arrival of the Spanish. Although guacamole carries with it a sort of secret recipe cachet, in fact, it's easy to make. The key is in limiting the recipe to the ingredients that the Aztecs would have used. The originators seem to have known, have had it down cold. So we're talking about Native American plants, avocados, chili peppers, cilantro, onions, and tomatoes. No dairy products, no black pepper. Two ingredients of non-Aztec origin that can pass are olive oil and lime juice, both used in small proportions and mainly to keep the concoction from spoiling too fast. I don't think that's true. I think lime juice, well, it is used for that purpose, but lime juice is kind of central to a guacamole flavor, I think. That and cilantro. Are you a cilantro fan, Patty? I am. I do like it a lot. Yeah. But you know what? Every now and then, I do actually see what people are talking about that it tastes like soap. Every now and then, I get that flavor. 
Have you ever had that experience where it does actually taste like soap? No, but I have a good friend who she has that gene or whatever. Like when we go yeah. to Mexican food, she asks specifically if things have cilantro in it because she said it tastes like soap. Yeah. And I guess that does kind of kill the mood if you're eating Mexican food. Yeah. Yeah, that's the complaint that if you if you are a cilantro fan, which we certainly are, there's no such thing as too much cilantro for me, but if you don't like it, it's because it tastes like soap. Usually that's the reason cited. But every now and then I will see what they're saying. I get it. And um and it it doesn't bother me. I mean, not that I like to eat soap or anything, but but it, it's just like a brief second that I get that. Anyway, lime juice is a key component in the flavor profile of uh, guacamole. And Tom used to make it, um, and it was sort of loose. And I told him he should bottle it as a, as a starter. This was like 20 years ago before everybody was doing that. But uh, we never did. But he made a really good starter for guacamole. Now I don't use that. I just do, it's, there's nothing loose about the guacamole that I make. It's pretty much just kind of chunky avocado with tomato, purple onion, cilantro, jalapeno, and lime juice, and that's it, and oh, some olive oil. It's good. Love guacamole. It's everywhere in restaurants, and much of it is even good. Only recently, the specter of pre-made guacamole has reared its ugly head. Avocados have until recently resisted all efforts at packaging. On the other hand, some restaurants now make their guacamole to order, sometimes right at the table. In Mexico, guacamole is almost always made to order, even in the tourist-pitched restaurants. The only problem with guacamole is that good, ripe avocados are not always available. One must plan ahead, buying the avocados days before you'll serve them. Florida avocados are those shiny ones. I don't understand why anyone eats those. Haas avocados, uh, if you can't get those, the dish should be off the table. Guacamole is a house specialty of ours. The guests expect to find it when they come over, even for Thanksgiving. And that is true. We made it for a very long time. All right. 5569696 is the number. We'll be back after these messages. Keith Young Steakhouse on the North Shore in Madisonville is everything anyone thinks of when a steakhouse comes to mind. The environment is elegant and handsome. The service staff is knowledgeable, attentive, and friendly. And most important, the steaks are superb. The steakhouse sides are also great. Keith Young Steakhouse, 165 Highway 21, Madisonville, 985-845-9940. Basil's Ace Hardware has been the center for your grilling needs for over 15 years. That's when I first got my big green egg, which I use more than ever lately. Fred also has Traeger grills and Weber grills and all the accessories for them. Charcoal and pellets and propane, as well as rubs and grilling utensils, Remember, a great cookout always begins with the right hardware. Basil's Ace Hardware, 4419 Transcontinental Metairie, 888-8588. I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? I'm with you, Tom. I love a Gershwin tune. I never did finish saying what Irina Chalmers uh, said in her words to eat by. I got up talking about cookbooks and the utilitarian aspect of a utilitarian-looking cookbook. I don't even remember the name of her 
cookbook, but um, it was like one of those home cooking kind of things. Anyway, she said uh, today is uh, actually this weekend, the same day, Guacamole Day is supposed to be National Pickle Day. And she said, in the last analysis, a pickle is a cucumber with experience. True. I like that. Simple. Very simple. In other words, to eat by, which is a little depressing. (laughs) It rings a little too true for me. Uh, By Sir Walter Scott. To be always intending to live a new life, but never find time to set about it. This is as if a man should put off eating and drinking from one day to another till he be starved and destroyed. (laughs) That's depressing, but kind of funny. (laughs) It is. (laughs) The old kitchen saint says, when making guacamole, combine all the ingredients except the avocado first. Then scoop out the avocados and add them as quickly as possible. Mix only until the avocados are chunky and not a mash. You know, the only thing wrong with an avocado is how quickly it turns brown. Boy, it does. And guacamole is really gross if it's even a little bit old. Not old. By old, I mean, you know, not just done. Because I don't think anything turns, quote, old faster than guacamole. I I think you're right. It's just really shocking how fast it goes south on you and i had this once i learned from martha stewart that's the only thing i'm really grateful to her for but how how long you can keep avocados in the refrigerator so i made a huge batch of guacamole just because i had so many avocados which was incredibly stupid because you only eat so much guacamole and it does go bad not bad but it goes ugly really quick and it's, it's, it was heartbreaking to have to throw that away because guacamole is really good. 556-9696, if you would like to chat, I would love to do that with you. It's my last 11 minutes for a while. I'm talking about food. And I would like to talk about food. So give me a call, please. 556-9696, Prosper. Montague, or Montagna, was born today in 1865. He was one of several brilliant French chefs who remade French cuisine in the early 1900s and streamlined kitchen operations by organizing cooks better and simplifying presentations. But his finest legacy is the creation of La Rousse Gastronomique. Have you ever seen that one, Patty? No, I haven't. It's an encyclopedic treatise of French cookery, and it's still being published in many languages. It's considered the last word on the subject. I wonder if there is anyone out there, well, period, but I wonder if there is anyone out there who uh, actually cooks from a book like that. I mean, I'm sure there are people. I know if the movie... Julie, Julia and Julia is any indication. And I think that there are a few outlier people who actually go through the kind of trouble that you would go through if you were cooking from something like that. But I think they are few and far between. And uh, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know that I've ever done anything really complicated. 
Have you, Patty, where you've just like had a million ingredients? No. If there's too many ingredients, I'll, I'll like go to try to yeah. find the shortcut. But you know, a lot of those, a lot of those complicated recipes call for certain kinds of equipment that you might only right. use once. And right. who's who's got that? Well, do you remember Joe Cohen? Yeah, I love Joe Cohen. Anyway, um, he used to always say he had like a two, two, and two rule. He said if it if you use more than two pots. I don't know if he said if it's got more than two ingredients or if it takes more than two hours, forget it. I'm going yeah. out to a restaurant or something like that. And I think that's I think that's really a good philosophy, although I'm not even clear what it was. <laughs> I, I used to crack up whenever I heard his two two and two rule. You know, I um I saw some Marilotons at the store today. I did too. And and they're all individually wrapped. Yeah, they always are. I yeah. don't know why that is. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe they stick together or something. If there was, I, I have um, really no respect for Marilotons at all. I don't find them to be um, useful, interesting, um, worthwhile at all. There was a short phase here where Tom became... Uh, enthralled with the idea of slicing them thin and putting them in a casserole with parsnips and rutabagas and making a gratin. And that became sort of our signature vegetable gratin at Thanksgiving in the good old days of 50 people. And it was actually very good. But the thing about melatons to me is that they have, they're like the universal donor. They have absolutely no flavor of their own, and they absorb whatever you put them with. So I don't usually bother with them. Do you stuff them? Do you use them, Patty? No, I don't. I don't particularly like them. But I did find found Joe Kahn's 2-2-2 rule. Oh, good. Oh, what is it? It's uh, don't make anything that takes too long, is too difficult, or takes more than two pots. Yeah. I knew there was a two pot. That's the only one I had mm-hmm. right. The two pot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agree. He says after he sa- after that, he says it just goes out. And I totally get that. I w- couldn't agree more on that. But, um. Yeah, I don't think melatons uh, taste like anything. Well, they don't. They taste like whatever you put them with. Yeah. Whatever you stuff them with. So I was looking, but here's what I was thinking. As I, you know, because I never learn. As my daughter is quick to point out, I never learn. So um, even though we have a teeny tiny just foursome for Thanksgiving, actually, no, my, my brother and sister-in-law are coming, so six of us will be at Thanksgiving. And there's absolutely no reason to cook a lot of food. I looked at those melatons and I thought, you know, I wonder if, I wonder if I could do a potatoes on a, situation with the Marilotons just because I want to do something with Marilotons other than stuff them with something. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll do that because we're going to have mac and cheese and that's sacrosanct. You can't do anything but mac and cheese here. And we're we're doing the cornbread dressing. But I was thinking, okay, I've got a couple of these um, 
cast iron skillets, so I could do the same thing with merlotons in the cast iron skillet. And it probably wouldn't taste like anything because they don't taste like anything. And I would hate to go through that much trouble. I've got to do that potatoes on it in some way, sometime. I mean, it's kind of like on in my brain. I got to do it. Are you going to do it? Uh, it sure does sound good. I'm I'm thinking of trying it. Yeah. Do you have that many cast iron skills where you could do? No, I only have one two. On top of the other one. Well, I have two, so I could. Are they of different sizes? One yeah. Could fit inside the other. Okay. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to do that. Um, now, the, the problem with mine is that one is like a regular, biggish kind, and then the next size would not be right underneath it. So it's like it skips a few sizes before the next one comes in. So my potatoes, Anna, would probably not be good. I mean, it would be adequate. How far along can you go with butter and potatoes? Really? (laughs) But the actual technique, which lends itself with the crusting and the brown, would probably be lost if I don't have the equipment that, you know, sits inside of the other one. Anyway, whatever. Um, I, I do want to. I do want to try something in that method for sure. Let's see. Uh, in 1895, the first shipload of canned pineapple left Hawaii for the mainland. Where would we be without pineapple? In addition to its natural uses and desserts, it turns up in unexpected places. The inclusion of pineapple in spicy Vietnamese shrimp and seafood soup is intriguing and good. Antoine's Alchator sauce is a brown savory sauce made with caramelized pineapple. I didn't know that. They serve it on steaks and better lamb chops. Pineapple juice is an effective tenderizer for tough cuts of beef. Pineapple would be pretty good in bread pudding. I saw fresh pineapple in the store today. That's why I'm talking about that. All right. Uh, please tell a friend about the show. We would love for them to tune in and uh, join us to talk about food. It's the anniversary of WGSO. Please go to their website, WGSO.com. And click on the yellow button that says donate. Be part of the 75 for 75 campaign. Please go to our website, nomenu.com, N-O-M-E-N-U.com. That's where you'll see Tom's 50-year body of work. Things like recipes, like 400 of them. The almanac that we have fun with on the show every day. And antique restaurants, reviews of restaurants, the list of all open restaurants, all kinds of stuff there. We have, a, we have an Instagram page at the New Orleans menu. We would love for you to follow us there. I am off for a week, and uh, I am leaving everything to Patty, so please uh, call her. I mean, nobody calls me, but <laughs> hopefully they'll call you, Patty. And uh, we have she has a, a group of guests that will be coming in to visit with her. Um, Bob Del Giorno among them. So if you are a Bob Del Giorno fan, it'll be nice to touch base with him. And I hope that you will stick with the show and listen to what they have. I hope that there'll be some Thanksgiving people coming on to talk about their Thanksgiving menus. I will be uh, <clears throat> off and enjoying myself in a much needed break. So um, we'll be back on Thursday. That's so a full seven days. Anyway, it's uh, it's going to be fun. I I'm going to really try hard, Patty, to not get into trouble while I'm gone. <laughs> I hope not. It's it's uh, it's a different world, and it's a an interesting terrain to be negotiated out there. So uh, 
uh, we shall see how that goes for me because I, I don't, I don't know how to be in a blue state, but we'll <laughs> see. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Anyway, so uh, please visit with Patty. Give her a call. I know that people really like Daniel the Gourmet Cellist. He is going to be there tomorrow, but only tomorrow. Who do you have on Monday and Tuesday, Patty? Uh, on Monday, yeah, Monday, I have Peyton Malone, who's the okay. weather guy uh-huh. from Channel 4, uh-huh. who's going to be sharing some recipes with us. And mm-hmm. then on Tuesday... We have Jay Weiss from Second Harvest and Tim McNally from the Wine, Dine, and Spirit Show. Okay, I love it. So he's going to be on uh, Wednesday. Tim is going to be on Wednesday? Yes. Okay. All right. Everybody have a wonderful next week. I'll be back a week from now, and uh, we'll resume our blathering on about food. I'm going to have some new equipment, too. WGSO New Orleans. It's 4 o'clock. News time, Louisiana Radio Network. Good night. Radio News with Tim Berg. There are reports the Biden administration is considering shutting down the Line 5 pipeline that stretches from western and eastern Canada through the state of Michigan. White House Deputy Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre dismisses those reports and says the United States and Canada are engaged in conversations surrounding the pipeline. Canada is a close ally and a key partner in our in energy trade as, as well as efforts to address the climate crisis and protect the environment. These negotiations and discussions between the two countries shouldn't be viewed as anything more than that, than that and certainly not an indicator that the U.S. government is considering shutdown. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's administration is filling the U.S.-Mexico border barrier gaps with repurposed shipping containers. The containers are generally between 10 and